What I'm talking about is not a microwave popcorn God or, you know, uh, God is a nice God. I'm not talking about that kind of God. I'm talking about a good God who makes God's goodness known through trouble and through hell, right? So this kind of God deserves and wants out of us a partnership that is willing to endure. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Bishop! Good morning. Here we go. (laughs) Come on. Um, This week's devotion is called Disease, and it was inspired by Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 through 12. Uh, And you say, especially the line, surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yes. And you ask a provocative question. Where would we be without Jesus in this pandemic? And so like the incorrigible human I try to be, <laughs> I'd love to turn that around on you. Yeah. So Bishop, where would you be without Jesus in this pandemic? I don't know. I wouldn't be in a very good place. I certainly wouldn't be in a, in a, in a place that, uh, that is able to hold together the grief of this COVID time, as well as the, uh, the hope um, and the possibility that it lives beside the grief. Um, I, you know, one of the things that's come very clear to me over these last 18, 19 months now is, is that I don't have faith as much as faith has me, right? I mean, I realize that, uh, as I minister to people, I'm ministering out of something that is, that does not belong to me. That it is a grace that comes to me. I'm ministering stories that are thousands of years old. I'm ministering, a um, a compassion and a mercy that has been shared with me. I'm just pointing to it. And so what I've become very aware of is, is that this is a resource given to God's people, that we stand in it, right? We don't sort of, uh, uh, it's not this fragile little flicker of a thing, uh, but but it's it's this roaring bonfire that we get to point to, that we get to stand next to, that we get to commend. And so what I why I, I wrote this in the, in, in the way that I wrote it was is that what we have heard is the long laundry list of sadness and loss and grief. And let me just be very clear to anybody who's listening, that is all legitimate. We have lost livelihood. We have lost life. Families have been fractured. Um, this has been a gut punch again and again and again with no clear ending in sight. I totally get that. Not only do I get that, I experience that, right? Simultaneously, simultaneously, Where would we be without God in this? Many of us have been sustained every day, every midday, every evening, sustained by our faith, sustained by our relationship with and, you know, to Jesus Christ and with one another. It has made a way for us in this storm. And so I want to talk about that, Uh, you know, not just the the sad laundry list, but I want to talk about what God is doing and will do in us and through us right now. Hmm. All right. So just also for clarity's sake, can you confirm that you're using Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation or is it a different one? Well, what I can confirm is, is that I use different translations whenever the spirit hits me. So Love sometimes it. I'll, I mean, I'm an old school. So, you know, I'm, I'm the King James version, uh, you know, 
uh, with the red letters. Jesus only spoke in the red letters. That's my first <laughs> language. And then, you know, I moved to NRSV and then I'll move to the Hebrew or Greek translations. Then I'll move to the, to the message. So I, I am, uh, I am, uh, I am not committed to one particular text, but I, I want to see how people have come at these words uh, and these notions in lots of ways. Perfect. Cause I'm like so much in the NRSV mostly because of the seminary, you know, all that, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Sure. Right? So, but I love this line from your translation. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Right. Right. So can you share your thoughts with us on that line? Well, you know, that line is from, from a hymn, uh, you know, what a privilege it is to carry <laughs> everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let me just apologize for my singing. <laughs> I thought it was great. To all of, the, uh, all of the listeners, let me just say also that singing is not a matter of the voice box. It's a matter of the heart. Amen. And so I, I, my heart is singing because I do believe that that psalm that that song is right on the money. What a privilege it is to carry. What needless pains we bear, right? So the, by the grace of God, we have a place to offload these things, not so they become sort of a, a garbage dump or a, a, a dumpster, but somehow God and God's majesty and mystery works those things through and turns garbage into gold. But I don't know where I would be if I couldn't take those things to God in prayer. I mean, what we would have is the equivalent of sort of being overwhelmed and, uh, you know, up to our eyeballs in the worst things of life and, and have no way to process those things. And so, you know, I always tell people prayer should be the one, at least the one honest place that you have in your life. It should be where you get to say all the honest things to God, your fears, your doubts, your anger, your smallness, your bitterness, you should be able to cough all that mucus up to God. And then when you realize that you have that kind of relationship, that Jesus is that kind of friend, then you can sing that song. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. So that's where that comes. It's, it's, it's you know, I'm the child of, uh, my adopted mother was a, a church organist. And so, and so while I didn't learn to play those instruments, uh, piano and organ, those, the, the theology of those hymns got in my bone. Love it. Friends, we'll be right back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to four people and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, this passage in Isaiah is one of the passages that prophesies the way the Messiah will eventually live and die. Or so some people think. Yes. And that in and of itself is incredible, that before Jesus came, God's people infused the Hebrew people with a sense of profound hope. So in your last line in your devotion, you say, in that dis-ease, God will bring ease and well-being. Right. So what would you like to share with folks about hope in general? 
Well, I, I just want to I want to remind people that in the Bible, hope is not made out of all the good and nice things of life, like the the the, um, the material, the precondition for hope. Oftentimes, is grief and loss. This is the story of the Hebrew people, right? A colonized people abused by political and and uh, military powers, and yet. Uh, somehow they had hope in God, a God who had intervened in the Exodus, and a God, therefore, who would intervene in God's own time in their real-world maladies, right, and, um, and miserable situations. And so, and so down to us, we are the spiritual children of those people, down to us comes this hope that even in the dark night, you know, light is on its way. Light is, in fact, even present now. So what I want to say to people is, as we are COVID-weary right now, and as we continue to grieve, and as it feels like we have a pall over our nation, and even over our church, what I want to say to people is, is that God does God's best work in the darkness, in grief, in trouble, in sadness, and sickness, right? And so, the stories that I love about the Bible are how God finds a way through real people, not sort of spiritual heroes and sheroes, but out of regular real people who are stumbling forward, God finds a way to intervene and make a way. And so out of dis-ease, God makes ease. And what do I mean by ease? I'm so glad you asked. What I mean is a peace that passes all understanding, a, a, a sense in my spirit that I'm riding a thermal, that I'm riding a wave, right? We call grace or we call providence, that God is on the move, and I'm participating in that. So so this is for, look, this is where only the grown people need to listen today, right? What I'm talking about is not a microwave popcorn God or, you know, uh, God is a nice God. I'm not talking about that kind of God. I'm talking about a good God who makes God's goodness known through trouble and through hell, Right? So this kind of God deserves and wants out of us a partnership that is willing to endure, right? So sometimes uh, some of us at the first sight of trouble, right, will bail, right? That, this God doesn't do that. This God's best work in that scenario. This God is looking for some adhesive from us, right? A determination, if you will. And there are uh, myriad stories about that. Job was determined through all of his laws. Naomi was determined through all of her laws. Esther was determined through her disorientation. Moses was determined through his, uh, his speech impediment, and on and on and on and on and on. And so uh, from us, God is requiring in the disease of this present moment some stickiness of faith. So I am determined to wait on my ease with God through my disease. So we're not we're not talking about easy street. I'm not talking about easy street. I, you know, <laughs> what a what a good turn of phrase. No, beloved, I am not talking about easy street. The truth of the matter is, if you're going to have faith in a real world God, uh, the street is not going to be easy very often at all. No, God makes souls on the rough side of the mountain. Right. That's what that's that's what the Bible tells us. That God makes souls and death and depth, D-E-P-T-H, right? And uh, and joy, which is different than happiness, God makes that through adversity. But if we will endure, persevere with God for a season and wait and watch God do God's thing, 
then the Bible promises we'll have the joy that is the inheritance of the faithful. And that's the whole, that's the whole message right there. So when we use the words will, like yeah. where does the word trust come into play when we're talking about hope? It's it's a wonderful little salad, isn't it? Right. So <laughs> it's a, it's you know, there's little tomatoes, little lettuce, you know, whatever you other croutons, all that. So so these things are not mutually exclusive. There's a lovely overlap, right? So 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 we have hope because we trust, right? Uh, we we trust because of the gift of faith. Right. And so we persevere because the spirit is our aid. And so we have all this wonderful, I guess, maybe casserole with lots of ingredients. Right. Baked over heat and time. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The most spiritually mature people I know are not people who have been saved from adversity in their life. Quite the opposite. The people that I know who I, who I look at them and I say, well, I hope to have a faith like that are people who have caught hell. And come through a fiery furnace, and you don't know how they have joy and trust, and and it's just an amazing thing. And grace and kindness, and in their cadence, there's a knowing, you know. And and when you talk to these people, these people have borne the heat of the day in real and visceral ways: loss of family, loss of careers, loss of dollars, loss of esteem. I mean, you name it, and yet. And yet they get down to this place of ease with other people and ease with God and ease even with adversity. Okay. So I know this doesn't have much to do with the passage, <laughs> <laughs> but you did end your devotion with praise God and wear your mask. Absolutely. So, but here's the thing though. I've heard a number of faithful people take that stance yeah. or take the stance that wearing masks means that you're actually placing your hope in something other than God. Foolishness. Well, so what are your thoughts on that? Absolute foolishness. We believe <laughs> we believe that God has given us a good mind. We believe in reason. Uh, we believe in uh, we believe in faith, and we believe in our tradition, right? And and so if we have reason, uh, that that includes logic and science, right? And so science is the fruit of the reason that God has uh, that God had given us, right? And so. To wear our mask, right, as we believe and trust in God and to keep ourselves safe and to keep, keep neighbors safe seems like the fulfillment of love God and love neighbor, to me at least. It reminds me of that wonderful old story where the faithful man is caught in a flood. And so he climbs up on a rooftop, even as the water is rising, and he prays to God, oh, God, deliver me. And a guy comes back by his house uh, in a powerboat. And uh, he says, jump on the boat, man, save yourself. And the guy says, no, I'm waiting on God. And the powerboat goes by. And a man comes by in a rowboat and says, jump on the boat, man, save yourself. And he says, no, I'm waiting on God. And finally, a helicopter flies by and sends down the ladder and says, dear brother, jump on the ladder. Come on, save yourself. And the man says to the helicopter pilot, no, my dear brother, I'm waiting on God to save me. Now the man dies and he goes to heaven and he has an audience with God. And he's upset with God and he says, God, why didn't you save me? I'm, the, I'm among the faithful. I waited and I prayed and I watched and you never came to deliver me. And God said, you fool. 
I loved you so much. I sent you three rescuers and you decided not to come on board. <laughs> That's great. So wear your mask, get your vaccine, take care of yourself, socially distant, right? And, and have the ease that God would have you to have right now. I love that so much. So Bishop Isaiah, like this, this entire passage, it's in the Old Testament. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just wondering if you have any final thoughts or thoughts about the way Jesus is showing up all throughout this passage. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so we don't have enough time to go way down deep into this notion of, of this sacrificial uh, 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 Messiah character in, uh, in, in Isaiah. But basically what we're saying is, is that, you know, Jesus is a friend. The Messiah is a friend in infirmity, right? Now, God is not present in the absence of infirmity, but God is present in infirmity. And not only that, walks through infirmity with us. Again and again and again, we get this in the biblical record. So uh, those of us who are sick, those of us who are grieving, those of us who, who know adversity and trouble and all of these gut punches that want to just sort of um, steal our peace and steal our joy and steal our faith, we have a friend in God. And so what I always commend, and the Old Testament is great for this, is find you a few Bible friends, right? Make Isaiah your friend. Make Esther your friend. Make Naomi your friend. Um, and, you know, on and on, Jacob, etc. Uh, not just, do not read these people at an intellectual distance, right? As a story in a book, but, but allow yourself to be welcomed into those stories and travel with those people through infertility, through bankruptcy, through, um, you know, being falsely accused, all of these stories, walk into these old school narratives and allow yourself to become friends with these people. And I think we will have a real benefit uh, spiritually if we do this, because now they're not stories in a book. Now these are people that I know who have trusted God in their real life and found God mighty to save. What a great suggestion. I'm going to try it. <laughs> Bishop, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us. And, and thank you, listeners, for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and come on back next week.